Welcome to episode 752 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 152 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? You're rewinding 600 episodes. You said 152. Oh, that was 752. That's yeah. a long time ago. I'm pretty good, Bevan. How about that you? Was in, that was in 100 episodes. That would have probably been 2008. Mm. About this time I was saying Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about that time I gave up Iron Man. Right. Because I gave up Iron Man because I knew that it was bad for my relationships. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I remember I just started seeing Joe. And I was training for my last road. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, she'll experience a little bit of me doing Iron Man. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we're on different things. But so there's a while. That's now I married her. Yeah. Put a house for her. Mm-hmm. Didn't have kids. No. No. Didn't need her. Still coming. <laughs> Work in progress. Bad <laughs> 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 old fat crap. <laughs> uh, talk is badly brought to you by our fantastic patrons. Let's name a couple of Jumbo. Uh, Jack Cousteau Lynch. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that. Uh, Colin Hungry Like a Wolf Durant. And Michael Diggett Dooley. Uh, guys, obviously we are in the holiday period, so it's a little bit. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter show today because the interview is only about 30, 40 minutes. Uh, and we're not really talking about anything triathlon related because John and I are actually doing this on the 22nd of December. So we've got an interview with a lovely lady by the name of Claudia Wilson. Now, Claudia Wilson is uh, a bit of a guru. She is, here she goes, she's a registered dietitian certified in the state of Utah, a board certified specialist in sports nutrition, a strength and conditioning specialist trainer. She has a bachelor's degree in Public Health at the Westchester University, uh, Westchester University in Pennsylvania. She has a master's degree in nutrition at the University of Utah, with an emphasis on sports nutrition and eating disorders. Mm, now right. she, she has spent her life educating herself, and she's recently brought out a book called One Two Punch. Um, and the book, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about the book after the interview because. Um, I got on, she sent me the book after I actually interviewed her, and I've, I've read the book, and I think it's a really good book, um, but I didn't really, it was one of those interviews where I didn't really know a lot about going into it, so we just had a really good discussion around nutrition, uh, a little bit focused on triathletes, a little bit around weight management, around the mental side of nutrition and stuff as well, and she's just one of those people who has a lot of insight, and has a lot to share, um, but because I hadn't read her book, um, she kind of touches on things in her book throughout the interview, but after the interview, I thought I'll go and read a book. And um, it's a book that I, especially if you are someone who weight management's a bit of a problem, mm-hmm. um, it's a really, really good book. And she's got this really simple, really believable and achievable formula that pretty much everyone can sit on. Mm-hmm. Um, and some really basic things around this. So I'll, we'll chuck the interview on, but mm-hmm. then listen up after the interview because there's just some really good insight. And I'll, and I'll kind of break down just the main premises of the book. But it's if you are someone who probably struggles with weight or even just struggles with nutrition in your life, I, I recommend her philosophy around this. It's back with science. Mm-hmm. And she obviously knows her stuff. Um, but just, I, I just love the way she puts it together in this book. So, put the interview on with Claudia now. She's she's very kind of she's got lots of energy. She's a really cool interview. So you'll enjoy the interview. But listen up afterwards to hear about her book. Here is Claudia now, the publisher or the author of One Two Punch. Here we go. Yep. 
Okay, Tim, I'm very excited to have a lovely lady by the name of Claudia Wilson. We've been speaking to her for about two minutes, and you're going to establish pretty quickly. She's pretty passionate, and she said to me, Bevan, I, I always get back to the point, but this is going to have to be a long way around it. Welcome to the show. It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So, so just before we start, just give us a little bit of your background. Okay. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist in the United States. I have a master's degree in foods and nutrition, and I'm also a board certified uh, sports nutritionist, as well as a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I know that's a mouthful. Uh, the initials and the credentials are obnoxious, uh, but I did work very hard for them. <laughs> oh, deserved. So let, let, let's dig into this because I kind of wouldn't mind talking about a few things around kind of for athletes and, and obviously maybe a bit more triathletes, but but also just for your everyday person. And one of the things we see with athletes is this kind of performance nutrition, but then yes. also they have the you know, they want the image. They, you know, a lot of female triathletes, for example, it, they get into the sport as a weight loss journey. Um, and yeah. sometimes they often don't get that journey through the amount of exercise that they're doing. So I suppose when we think about, let's look at the performance thing. When we think about nutrition as a performance thing, what's the approach and mindset that an athlete needs to have? So I believe that an athlete needs to, and I, and I want your listeners to hang on. I, I believe that an athlete needs to have a similar attitude as a regular person that's not exercising. And that is <clears throat> to tune into what their body is telling them. Yes. All your listeners that are athletes and triathletes know that there are certain times that scientifically, you know, you need fuel, um, but your hunger signals aren't there. And those would be times that we eat, even though we're not feeling hungry, but even my pro athletes, even my top level triathletes, I want to fine tune what their metabolism and their body is telling them. That's the approach that we need to take. And instead, not, not, you know, completely opposite of, but instead of following a template saying, eat at this time, do this, do this, do this, do this. What is your body telling it that it needs? What is your body telling you that you need? If I can get into someone's metabolism um, and find out what their metabolism is telling them and their body signals are telling them versus a template that we might follow, we are actually setting them up to perform better because they're performing within their own system instead of performing, you know, for a set template set system. So within that, you know, cause you know, there's levels of experience. How do you learn that? You know, cause I, I get what you're saying. It's this kind of thing of, um, listen to your feedback loops, understand when you're lacking energy, when you have energy, when, you know, those kind of just basic things like, do you feel hungry and so on? Um, instead of just kind of going at this time, I ate this thing because this is the formula, yeah. but, but how do we learn to trust that? And how do we learn to know what the triggers are? Is it, is it very basic? Just like we listen to hunger or is it, you know, it depends, Bevan, it depends on the person for some people. Um, and for you, the studies behavior, it is very basic you know, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, listening to those feedback loops, as you said, but for other people, it is so, so, so complicated. If someone has been following a regimen for a long time, um, and, and you'd be surprised at the amount of clients that come in of all ages. And I say, when is the last time you felt 
hungry, they actually don't know. And I ask them why they're eating breakfast at that time, why they're eating lunch at that time, why they're eating dinner at that time. They actually don't know. So it depends on someone's level of self-awareness, of body awareness. For some, it can be that basic, you know, listen to your body. When is it telling you it's hungry? When is it telling you it's full? But for other people, it's very difficult, which is one of the reasons I'm just going to slip it in here. One of the reasons I wrote the book with all the visuals is because people have a hard time. People who aren't used to it have a hard time. Well, well, how do I do that? You're, you're telling me it's basic. You're saying eat when you're hungry, eat when you feel hungry, you know, stop when you're full. Some people have no idea and they don't know where to start. So I create a visual of, if, if you treated your stomach as an incinerator, right, with uh, incinerator doors, when the doors are open, your incinerator is burning and going to use anything that you put into it. And you and I both know, and all your listeners know, oh my goodness, you know, religion, politics, and nutrition, those are the most polarized subjects, <laughs> I think, I think on the planet. I'm not talking about specifically what, although I'm going to come back to that, but let's just start with the basics. You know, your incinerator doors are open. Anything you put in is going to be burned. Anything, whether it's crap or whether, whether it's really healthy. And then I guide readers and listeners through um, all the different sensations that you might have to learn um, to detect your physical hunger. So to answer your question, yes, it can be that basic for some people, but for some people, it's just not that basic. And there's a whole section called burn in, in the book that walks you through, how do I, how do I tell, how do I tell the difference between hunger and maybe anxiety or, you know, acid reflux or, (laughs) or something else? So are you saying that, so are you an advocate of a very routine diet or, or again, is it very much kind of just depending on the day and how you're feeling? Like, how do you kind of work around that? I think that it depends on the person. I think every human, every human system falls into a routine. So if you are falling into a routine of sleep, if you're falling into a routine or creating a routine of exercise, then your hunger and fullness is going to fall into the same routine too. If somebody is starting from complete scratch, they have no idea when they're hungry and and can't really detect fullness, uh, their system might be out of whack and we have to go a long time before they get hungry on a regular basis, but then they fall into a rhythm of, of routine. Uh, and I think if people allow themselves the space and the openness to feel that, then they do get in, they do get into a routine. So are you saying hunger is a good thing? I think hunger is a good thing. I think, yes, I think, I think hunger is a good thing because it is our body's way of telling us that we need fuel. So we have so much science, which is amazing. It's so amazing. It has, it has really improved the field of athletic performance, exponentially improved, you know, athletic performance. We love that, but our bodies, our human systems, this is why I'm fascinated with the human body. They're already equipped to tell us, Hey, you need fuel. We need fuel here. We're, we're running out. Come on. You know, and if, and if we let it, our bodies will tell us. Mm. So I think hunger is a good thing. I think it's, you bring up a really interesting point about it being good versus 
bad. Yeah. Uh, some people are very afraid to feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and athletes that are worried about having fuel on board might be worried about being hungry because, you know, then it's a missed opportunity of fueling. And so some athletes might think, Oh, I, I can't get hungry. And, and dieters, you know, if you read the magazines, uh, to hook someone into uh, the covers of magazines to hook someone onto a diet. It's do this and you'll never be hungry. It's like, God forbid you get hungry, you know? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting when you think of the marketing of a diet, isn't it? It's very much kind of like you don't have to sacrifice um, to achieve the outcome you want. Yes. And, and maybe inherent in getting hungry is, is maybe that you're sacrificing, but it's, it's to me, it's a signal. Mm. It's a signal. Yeah, it's a signal. It's a signal. And so, I suppose on top of that, then it's just learning how to respond to that signal in ways that's healthy for you. Exactly, exactly. And you and I talked before we before we hit you know record uh, about the nutritionists that you've had on and all the different ways. Again, religion, politics, and nutrition. All the different ways that someone can eat, and I think that's a very very personal decision. There's uh, and it's very individual. What works for one triathlete is not going, going to work for another triathlete. Mm-hmm. And there's so many individual preferences. That's why I love my job because it's so, each person is so unique. Uh, but within getting hungry and, and reaching fullness, you know, there's a wide variety of things that you can do that work for you. Uh, and, and my book is wide open. You can, you can, uh, be vegan. You can be a carnivore. You can do whole 30, you can do paleo, you can do anything, but there's, but there's a balance that I believe is valuable, uh, that I, that I I'll, I'll say I prescribe, but it's really left up to the individual. So, so ultimately what you're saying is for everyday people really is your journey is to figure out your formula. Um, and, in the way that both physiologically and kind of mentally works for you or psychologically works for you as well. So that you are maintaining a healthy body mass, you're mentally don't, because one thing I always, and you listen to the show, would have heard me talk about this, is this thing of, I think one of the biggest problems around diet nowadays is people just think about food too much. And not food is in like a, I need to eat because I'm, you know, self-sabotaging, just so much of their time thinks about food and I, th- I always just think if I'm spending half my life thinking about food what a waste of my life you know like it's you know like food is a function in my life and I enjoy eating but I want to spend time connecting with people growing doing all this other important stuff in life yeah. um yeah you know so it's a, so ultimately you're, you're saying is that your journey is to to learn your formula and to to experiment to figure out what that is Yes. You bring up a really interesting point. I, I believe, <clears throat> strongly believe that that's why traditional diets, and I'm using air quotes, yeah. um, diets don't work uh, for lots of reasons, but it's because when you are focusing on the food, like you said, thinking too much about food, when you are focusing on the diet, that is your life. Mm. You, that's the life. And, and what you thought was your life is going on in the periphery. Mm-hmm. And we want to flip that and have you live, live your life with food in the background, supporting that life. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I've never, I've, I've, I've got a very good food routine. 
Um, I, you know, I've just, I know how to manage my food really well. Um, and it is just something I have in my life. But I remember when paleo first came first thing, it was the first time I tried a diet. It's, I'll give it a try for like, and I literally gave up after three days because I just found I was thinking about food all the time. You know, and it was, yes. yeah, it was really fascinating. And it was just like, yeah. I felt it was just really consuming. It was really overwhelming and how much it owned my space. Yeah. Exactly. And I tell people, um, and, and athletes as well. Um, so I tell regular people, what happens when you are focusing food, focusing on food and focusing on a diet is even, even if you are making healthy behavioral changes for yourself, there is an amount of stress in trying to follow that, that then is in your body and increasing your cortisol levels, mm. which, which we don't want. So it's more stressful for you to try to keep track of that. And we don't want that life is stressful enough, especially now life is stressful enough. You know, we, we want food to be in the background, but so we want you not to have to track, not to have to measure, not to have to weigh, not to have to count your grams. There is absolutely a way to detect your hunger, detect your fullness, balance what you're having so that you don't have sugar spikes and drops. Um, there's absolutely a way to do that. And for, and, and that's for regular people, for athletes, I always talk to them about the energy, the mental focus, the physiological, what's happening physiologically, but the psychological focus that is going into following a diet, following a regime that we could be putting into their performance. So there's some of that. I hope this is making sense. No, no, I, some... I, you, what you're saying is that you're spending all this time on food. We're actually, you should be putting this on your training and actually delivering on yes. the, the objectives of your training. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So some of that passion, some of that just, you know, adrenaline rush passion that we could be putting into their performance and their training and their practice, you know, is being, taken away, we don't even realize it's being taken away, but it's being taken away and siphoned into following a diet, mm. you know, and, and I want to change that for them. I want them to go all in on their performance and, and practice and training and feel it with their whole body and soul. That's why, that's why they're doing it. That's why, you know, athletes are athletes. Um, and I want to take the pressure off food so that it's not the focus. So there's a couple of questions I have around this. First of all, a lot of people are always looking for an answer because they don't trust, um, you know, the, the, you know, yeah. maybe they're not happy with their body or their performance. Yeah. And so, so there's not this kind of trust. So first of all, I probably two questions I have. First one is when is someone there? Like, so, you know, you're talking a lot about this kind of, you want to keep people to understand how they work, how to use their feedback loops to make really, make really good choices. And so food is just a good part of your life, but actually not consumption of your life. When you, when the client has got to the place where you think it's a healthy place for them, how do you know they're there? So I'll bring up an example of a client that I've been working with recently. Um, uh, she is uh I guess by definition, uh, an emotional eater um, and an overeater. So she is using food to cope with her emotions and her stress. Stress, I think, is a ubiquitous term for every emotion under the sun, <laughs> especially, especially negative emotions. So we first had to identify that that was happening, that when she, so we worked, you know, for a long time talking about what leads up to you opening the cupboard, opening the fridge, going into the kitchen, seeking out food. 
So what's leading up to that? And also you've got to check in and ask yourself, are you hungry? So she started doing that and was very, very ready, very ready to be vulnerable and, and started telling me, okay, now I'm starting to see it. I'm going into the kitchen. I'm asking myself if I'm hungry. I know what my physical signs of hunger are now. I'm not doing that, but I'm still seeking the food. And I said, okay, we're just going to keep, we're just going to keep working. So she kept seeking the food, kept seeking the food. And then she started to identify the emotions that were there before she sought out the food. So the first in, in the journey of when the client arrives and is there is first, you've got to recognize the why, why you're seeking out that particular behavior. And even though she had identified the why, the behavior didn't change, but the behavior started to change after she sat with the why and then noticed what was happening when she was eating, why she needed it, why she was using it to cool down, cool off, calm, soothe. And then after a while, she still continuing through with the behavior, it started to take the edge off of what she was feeling, meaning that it didn't quite give her the high that it did before. Now she was fully aware of why she was going into a behavior and in the behavior, fully aware. Yep. I've got the bag open. I'm eating the chips. I know exactly what I'm feeling. I feel rejected. I'm stressed about my son. I'm feeling all these things. Um, but now that she was aware, it didn't have the same calming effect. And then we just kept going and it was almost like, I know this is going to sound cheesy and maybe extreme, but it's almost like she started having an out-of-body experience. Like now I see myself getting stressed and eating the chips and, and see that's happening. And then it started to change. And now she's at a point that I think she's arrived. Now, arrival is... I know when I'm feeling stressed versus hunger. I know when I'm seeking out food and why I'm seeking out food. Um, and I know that I can choose to sit with this really intense, uncomfortable feeling without mm -hmm. having the food. But arrival doesn't mean that sometimes you still don't do it. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, so but she's fully aware. So so arrival and when they're there is they are fully aware of what they're doing. And I like to say, once you know, you can't unknow. You can still follow through the, with the behavior, but you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, yeah. You, you, so you develop a deep sense of awareness of the journey you go through. Yes. And so then you can make better choices in the, with those moments. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, and then with, so then with, with athletes, but they might argue, I need the food because I'm going to train so much. Yep. So what do you do in yep. that situation? So in that situation, 100% agree. You do need the food be, because you train so much. But again, coming back to that point I made earlier, I want, we want to create a plan, if you will, a plan for you that you are fueling your system when your system is asking for it. Okay. So if your system is asking for it at, you know, 1 p.m. and the template says 12 p.m., 
I think we want to wait and we want to feed the system at 1 p.m. instead of 12 p.m. Yes, absolutely. You need the fuel. And then if I was working with an athlete, we, I'm really trying to um, uncover and detect uh, their hunger pattern so have them be aware of their hunger pattern um, and their fullness pattern and me be aware of their hunger and fullness pattern. And then the times that maybe we think that they need fuel, even though they're not hungry. So athletes are a little bit different in that, that exercise can sometimes and the hours afterwards, as you know, can sometimes suppress the appetite. Um, so the appetite, the desire for food is suppressed, even though the need for fuel is still there. So, so, so athletes, some athletes might argue, you know, it doesn't matter if I, it doesn't matter if I, um, binge, it doesn't matter if I overeat. And I would say, if I'm really trying to fine tune your body as well as I possibly can for your upcoming performance, it does matter if you overeat because the incinerator and your body can only handle and process so much food at one time. If you eat, beyond the point of fullness, regardless of whether it's fat, carbohydrate, protein, um, is your body utilizing, uh, that fuel optimally? And I would argue, no, past a certain point. No, it's just storing it for later. And yes, we have glycogen storage, but we don't have protein storage, you know, and then we have fat storage. So that, that gets to the point where, uh, where you might see me maybe even having an argument with an athlete, like, yes, you need it, but I want you, I want you to stop at this point. And if you're stopping at this point, then we're not storing it for later. And then we're have, having it at more optimal times that your body's going to burn and use it. Yeah. What about, um, in regards to disorders, um, and this isn't just obviously an athlete thing, but we do see it a lot in, in, in triathlon, but in other sports as well, uh, eating disorders yeah. are a big problem for athletes, but also everyday people. So yeah, when, when someone has a, like, it's such a, I know that it's a pretty hard thing to talk about in a podcast interview, but how do you deal with some of the bigger eating disorders that you have to deal with? So I remind myself again, it, and I, and I don't mean this, um, uh, to sound disrespectful yeah. at all. Um, because I, my heart aches for anyone who has an eating disorder. Uh, it is technically oh. and scientifically, you know, uh, diagnosed as, and, and categorized as a mental disorder, um, but it's also but so, I, so hard for, for that problem, isn't it? Because if you're an alcoholic, you right, can give up alcohol, exactly. you know, exactly. whereas eating disorders, you, you, you need to eat. So, you, you, exactly. you, you know, it's a really hard hurdle to overcome. It's very tricky. But I say this is the part I didn't want to be disrespectful about. I'm, I'm fascinated by it because someone has someone has alcoholism for a reason. There's something that they need that alcoholism to cope with whatever it is that is um, very difficult and, and unmanageable for them. Yeah. Someone is, you know, addicted to substances uh, for the same reason, uh, because they're trying to cope with very difficult circumstances or a very difficult past or trauma past. It's the same thing with eating disorders. They have that because they need it they're using that to ground themselves, you know, um, them following, I'll give some examples, um, very quickly of eating disorder behaviors, you know, um, not eating enough, keeping their calories under a certain level, um, that behavior grounds them. 
It calms them down. It soothes their anxiety. So before I can rip that away and say, oh my gosh, you're a triathlete and you're trying to stay under, for example, 1200 calories, you know, that's insane. You know, you're too thin and your performance, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I can't say your performance would be better and you need more calories and all those things because it's not rational to them. They're doing it to ground themselves and, and ease their anxiety. It's, it's more loaded than that, but you, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I have to help them understand, and we have to work together to understand why is this eating disorder there in the first place? Why do you need that grounding? And the reason eating disorders are so brilliant is because it provides immediate grounding. Mm -hmm. There is something so tangible about tracking your grams of macronutrients, tracking your calories, getting on the scale, even looking at your body and and its body shape. That's very tangible. It is easier to you know, control your body, watch your calories, watch what you're eating, restrict your food, um, and all the behaviors that go that with eating disorders. It's easier to do that than focus or deal with or wade through um, the abstractness of sadness that you might feel over a particular thing in your present life, in your past life, um, trauma it's way easier, you know, if, and, and people don't really have the choice, they kind of fall into eating disorders, but, but given the choice of like tremendously hard, painful, excruciatingly painful work of trying to process the trauma and, you know, eating less than you need. Oh my goodness. You would take eating less than you need Mm. because Mm. the emotional stuff is so hard. It's so it's so painful. But we see we see this in lots of areas. We even just see it in athletes. And that um, one thing I often talk about with triathletes, at least I am in, is that um, you get a lot of reward from doing this thing, which is a crazy thing. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. for most people to go to a six-hour bike ride would be uh, the biggest thing in their life. And triathletes, it's kind of what we do weekly. Um, and so you see a lot of triathletes who have very broken lives outside of triathlon. Uh, and that they just put all the energy into the thing that gives them the reward uh, without considering the damage that maybe it's doing in other areas of their life. And yeah. and, and I was a good example of this. So, like I woke up at 30 and I was doing Ironman and, um, and I was a very good athlete. But if you look two layers back, I had lots of problems in my life, which are kind of being suppressed because I was just really good at this one thing over here. And the real work I needed to do on my t- myself at that time wasn't to try to be a faster athlete. It was to actually go, no, you've got to work on yourself over here. And it's yeah. kind of what you're saying is that people are using that nutrition thing as, as a sense of control, a sense of identity, a sense of I'm doing well when the yes. real work needs to be done in other areas. Yeah, and that's, and that's hard. It takes, yeah. it takes a tremendous amount of courage, um, and help to, to do that. Uh, Bevan, that's a great example. So I would say from your example, um, having all the success as a triathlete, that was your grounding. So you were having a hard time in these other areas, didn't even realize it because you felt so grounded in the athletic performance space. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You felt so grounded. You felt so tethered. You felt so, you know, at one with yourself. 
Um, and then, and then the accolades that you get from that are also very grounding. Like I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Um, that helps us. It distracts us, if you will, uh, from, from the other things. And, and that's what an eating disorder can do is distract you from the other things that are really going on. Well, and interestingly with, with, um, I I do some speaking and one of the talks I do is around this. How do you give up the thing you're great at to, to be suck at something else? Oh, do you know what I mean? I would, I would, I would answer that question with a question. Do you have to? Well, in some ways you have to give up some aspect of it. You know, like for, when I was doing Ironman, I was doing 30 hours exercise a week. So yeah. I, I couldn't maintain that lifestyle and, you know, to give myself the time and energy actually to work on what I needed to work on. And so, yeah. so, you know, you see it with the workaholic, you know, the workaholic is the person who, you know, yeah. what are they, 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 they workaholic. So they're really great in their career, but they, the advancement of their career is probably not their best development, you know, but how do you yeah. give up that thing you're really great at, especially if you've neglected every other year of your life. So it is, it becomes a really hard thing to do in life to actually compromise an area where you feel strong and successful to go into an area where you're really weak and vulnerable. Yeah. 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 Um, and I guess that comes down to, uh, oh, and this is so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. You know, what is, what is more valuable is the, is the success and, and, and it's very individual and very personal. I don't want to speak for, for anyone, but is the success uh, fulfilling enough or does, is there an aspect of the success in, in that area that you're great at? Is there an aspect of it that feels empty? Mm. And that was my example. Cause I remember yeah. I had a day, it didn't feel empty. I didn't enjoy it. And don't get me wrong. It was, it was very valuable to no, me. Just a, just, a, just a teeny part, not yeah. totally empty, but but is it empty? And that's when you start, you know, asking yourself the question, but go ahead. Well, no, because then uh, at the moment where I decided to move away from mine, then was when I woke up and I realized, oh man, I'm, I've kind of got these other areas that are really, really out. The other areas in my life are very empty. And I was like, oh, this isn't a healthy life. I need to actually spend time developing those other areas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a really interesting thing. Yeah. But, but it's a journey that it, it uh, everyone eventually needs to take. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have to work on the hard stuff, and, don't we? And, and sometimes, and sometimes we don't, but I think to be fully um, self-actualized, if you will, yeah. you know, that's something that you need to look at, but it's hard. Go ahead. Do, do, do when you find people have been successful, like the one you've been working with, do they ever fully let go? Fully let go of me? No, not of you, of, of just that thing that held them in that place. Or was it more just about managing? Like, for example, my dad's an alcoholic. And um, I was a really bad drinker when I was a young man. And um, and the thing about being my – so the difference between me and my father is my dad, to this day, will still think about drinking. But he gave up when I was, like, five. So he hasn't drank in, like, 40 years. But every day, there's a bit of a battle. Okay. And, gotcha. and to me, that's alcoholism. Whereas I was yeah. a bad drunk, but once I gave up, I've never thought about it since. Yeah. You know, and I, and I imagine there's probably scales of this, but the people who you work with, what, what do you tend to find? There are absolutely scales. So, but I believe wholeheartedly with my whole soul that you can fully, fully recover from those behaviors. Mm. Fully. Yeah. 
and, and leave it behind. Um, and, and you will hear some people in the industry and, and you will hear some people who have recovered say it's a battle I fight every day. And, and I would say that it doesn't need to be that you can, you can fully process. It takes work. It takes a lot of work. You can fully process the things that are holding that behavior there. Because the thing about the behaviors is as long as the need is there, the behavior will stay. The behavior has the opportunity to stick around as long as there's a need. If you fully process everything um, that you need to, yes, you can you can fully recover and and not have just a little bit of it in the back of your mind every day. One thing that's really important to it, add, it, becomes, oh, you got, becomes part, it becomes part of your fabric. It's part of your story. It's part of your past. But totally, it's possible. Totally. And, and I think one thing that's really important to to add on that because a, a lot of people try to do it by themselves, and especially when you're in that kind of place where you are working through big problems like this, you need yeah. support and help, don't you? Yes, you do. You really do. Uh, it's difficult. I'm not going to say that it's impossible uh, to do the the digging, the processing yourself. But gosh, is it uh, so much easier? When I say easier, I don't mean easy. Um, the journey is less lonely um, and feels more guided if you have support. Yeah. Wait, well, it's, well, it's not using a coach, isn't it? Like what a coach helps you do exactly. is avoid mistakes that you don't need to make. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And point out things. Um, and that's what I do with my client. You know, I, I'm often saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, put out some sentences here and, and you tell me if it resonates. So they haven't even articulated sometimes what they're feeling and what's going on. Um, I try to get them to come up with the words um, themselves, first of all, as much as I can, but, but it's hard. They don't, they don't immediately recognize what's going on or even how they're feeling. And so um, I can put some sentences out there, tell me if this resonates and then they feel guided like, Oh yeah, that's exactly how I was feeling. I just didn't have the words for it. I just didn't know how to articulate it. Even in my own brain, I didn't, I didn't, have the skills to organize those thoughts in a way that will propel me forward on my journey. And now I do. That's exactly what a coach does. You're exactly right on. And, and, and wanting to write a book, what were your objectives? So in my work with my clients, I'm, I am a very visual learner and I'm a very visual teacher. Uh, I, use my hands a lot, a ton of hand gestures. Uh, and, and so I wanted, it, it first started out, I wanted to create visuals for my clients. I wanted to have them have handouts to take home, to stick on their refrigerator and cupboards and bathroom mirrors and things like that <laughs> so that they could visualize what was going on in their body. It wasn't just this abstract concept. Hunger wasn't just this abstract concept. Um, they could visualize the incinerator and I had these um, pointers to help them. And so it started out as just a bunch of handouts, you know, imagine your hunger this way, imagine your fullness this way. Um, here are some prompts. Um, the handouts ended up being just a ton of prompts. Here are some prompts to combine your protein and carbohydrate. Here's a way to think of your portion sizes. Uh, here are some 
questions to ask yourself if you're not sure what emotion you're feeling. And so the handout um, compilation just grew and grew and grew. And I wanted to reach a larger audience and I wanted to be able to explain. Obviously, I really love to talk. I love to talk way more than I like to write. Uh, And I wanted to be able to explain you know, all the handouts and everything that I was trying to say. Uh, And so I decided to put it in book form. All the handouts became part of the book, the charts, the graphs. Um, I feel like once someone sees some of those, some of those graphs, they're like, oh yeah, I get what you're trying to say. And even when I'm explaining it um, in voice, I'm using my hands, you know, your blood sugar goes up and then it comes down. Here's how you can stabilize it. Uh, And, and so then it, it, it grew into a book. Oh, also, um, I wanted to write a book that was very friendly, very, uh, very lay person book. Um, I wanted people to feel like they were just sitting with me having a conversation, but I knew that everything I was saying was backed by research. I didn't want it to sound like a textbook, but it has 87 references in the back, but you would never know it. You're just listening to me chat. Okay. In the book. So, so, so in, in many ways, it's kind of like a nice reference to have in your life that you can use as you're living your day-to-day life to have to move from someone who maybe needs to make some improvements around nutrition to making those places and making those choices so that you do wake up one day where it's just food is a part of my life in a really healthy way. Yes, exactly. It helps, it helps the person that is maybe having, you know, fast food every day, maybe overeating every day. It helps them bring that into balance, but it also helps the person who is um, really, really, really regimented and, and doesn't want to stay regimented, but doesn't know quite how to let go of that. It gives you some parameters to just let go and allow a little bit more so that you can do exactly what you were saying, Bevan. Live your life with food being in the background. Just as I always love to ask people who are experts, what's the part that you struggle with, with, with nutrition? Oh, that's, gosh, no one's ever asked me that. Um, part that I struggle with, with nutrition Oh, I certainly don't want to say that I don't, <laughs> that I don't struggle. Uh, but I really do try to practice what I preach. Okay. So I am always trying to eat when I'm hungry um, and stop when I'm full. Um, and I do a fairly good job of that. Um, there are times, absolutely, if I'm enjoying something that I overeat and it's uncomfortable, it doesn't feel good. It really doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And when I do that, I don't, I don't beat myself up. I say, wow, that's really uncomfortable. I guess I went a little too far. I'm going to remember that, um, the next time I'm hungry and going forward, because I really, um, don't enjoy that feeling. Um, I try to balance protein and carb. Um, every time I drink a ridiculous amount of water. Uh, but when it's something I really enjoy, um, and so, and for some people, this is just going to absolutely gross them out. I have friends that, that say, uh, that is elderly food uh, that, you would, that you would only have in a nursing home. Um, I love tapioca pudding. I absolutely love tapioca pudding and I'm very picky about my tapioca pudding. And it is very hard for me to have a rational level of tapioca pudding. 
Um, I love it. I love it so much that almost every time, unless I'm at a restaurant and they only give me one serving, uh, I love it so much that it's very difficult for me um, to not get overly full. And my and my friends, my sweet friends that are amazing cooks, uh, will make some for me on my birthday. And oh, I overeat it every time. Every time. Every time. Uh, uh, the name of the book is One Two Punch. Uh, where do people get it? So there are several options depending on what where your listeners are. Um, if you are outside the United States, you can go to onetopunchbook.com and download an ebook, yep. or uh, uh, there's a handout set that you could get. Um, if you are in the United States, you can get it on Amazon um, prime, um, you, or not prime, you can also order the Kindle version, um, as well as the audible and the audible, if you're interested and, and not turned off by this podcast is my voice. <laughs> and, and lastly, if people want to work with you, where would they go? Same, same place. Same website, one, 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 two yeah. Com. Okay. Um, click on coaching and, and I'm doing all virtual appointments right now. Uh, which is, which is open things up for me. Um, but I would love to work with you. I'm fascinated by your story, whatever your story is. I'm already fascinated by it. <laughs> love you. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been really interesting to talk to. And again, I'll put links to one, two punch book.com on the show notes for the show. So thank you so much for your time. Bevan, thank you. It was a pleasure. So John, one, one thing she talks about, and so what sort of her philosophy is, um, she talks about the hormones that, that teach us that we're hungry. So if her basic philosophy is we should eat when we're hungry. Mm-hmm. That, that, and she talks about this, the hormone ghrelin. So ghrelin is a hormone that the body releases when we're getting hungry. Mm-hmm. And she says that ultimately what happens when we're hungry is it's like being synced. It's like our stomach opens ready to start digesting, start, start the process of getting ready for food. And so the hunger is an indicator in our life that now is when we should eat. And now what a lot of people do is they just have routine or they just eat way too much and then, then often don't even experience hunger. Mm-hmm. And she's saying that ultimately what we should be doing is just eat when we're hungry. So it's not that like you eat at 10 o'clock every day. It's not that like you do this and that. You ultimately just should be aiming to eat when you're hungry. Um, and then she talks about um, leptin. So leptin is the hormone mm-hmm. that teaches us that we're full. Mm-hmm. And so what she's really saying is that and she so has the process. I'm going to actually. I'll, I'll put when you have a leptin deficiency or, or issues with that, that's when it can cause real problems because you, then you, you yeah, because you, you don't know you're full. Replete, yeah, yeah. So you just keep putting stuff in, mm. and so she talks about she's got a kind of a three step process. One is burn. So one is respond to your body when it's hungry and thinking of your stomach as an accelerator. And so ultimately, what you're trying to do is you you just eat when you're hungry. So right now we've been working for a couple of hours. I ate at five o'clock this morning. I'm feeling hungry. We need to stop the podcast. I need to go yeah. eat. <laughs> <laughs> that fun. But but. but Basically, it's not that at 12 o'clock I'll eat, it's mm. I feel hungry now, that's my body giving me grilling, telling me that it's now time for me to actually go and you know get some nutrition in my body. But then what she says is that ultimately what we should be looking at when we're actually eating is to help leptin come along and help sure we're just consuming the right amount of food, is just using a fist of carbohydrate and a fist of protein, and then veggies to kind of fill up the rest of your plate, or the kind of veggie-type foods to fill up the rest of your plate. Um, and if you do that, then you'll get full and it'll give you enough of the leptin and, and enough of the good nutrition that you need in your body to f- get you through to the next period where you feel hungry. And that's the basic premise of that. So it's basically using hunger 
to realize your accelerator is open using the two fists and obviously it's depending on your size of your fist but that will be relative to the side of your body um and then you put that food in let it go until the next time you feel hungry. Um, then she talks about balancing, and the, the, the one-two punch represents the, the balance between the protein and the carbohydrate, and then you put the, the other foods in. So she says you use fat as well, but fat's more of a condiment to the other foods, um, and then you're going to use your veggies as well just to get your... And, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily have that one-two punch. They'll go three-fifths of carbohydrate, carbohydrate yeah. and maybe a half-fist of vegetables, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's when you don't get full, and that's when you'll... And an hour's time, you're still hungry. Yeah, and then she also talks about becoming, and becoming is the process of learning, because a lot of people, she talks about appetite. So she's not someone who doesn't tell you to eat any foods. She says her philosophy works with all types of diets. So if you are vegan or you are vegetarian or you've, you know, you've just got things you don't like, this, the great thing about this is you can get your protein and carbs in many forms. Um, but she also talks about... Um, the relationship with food and she's got some processes around you know if you're going to the cupboard just to eat and you know you're not hungry well then you you know because your body's not telling you hungry it's actually not the time to eat so you need to learn why you're hungry why you're going to the cupboard mm-hmm. and develop other strategies around it so she also talks about a lot of the psychology around it this book's a really good book and i and i the thing i like about it i always love people who can put, give you really simple formulas mm. That when you listen to them, you go, I can do that. Yep. You know, there's a guy I often talk about called Dave Ramsey. I've talked about him on the show, yep. the financial guy. He's done that with finances. He's put a really simple formula. Everybody, everyone go, you know what? I can do this. With the book I'm writing right now, I'm trying to do that for people who aren't exercising. They can read my book and they go, you know what? I can do this. And this one two punch book, she's done a really good way because she knows her shit. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, she's very intellectual but she's done it in a way where anyone can read it it's a pretty quick read it's i think i've probably spent a couple hours reading it um but she's done it in a way that anyone can read it and go you know what i can apply this in my life and and i am someone who doesn't worry about food um i am someone who's you're an outlier <laughs> i think from that regard yeah i think i am really. yeah, yeah I, am. I don't worry about food um i've got a really good routine around food but i definitely i'm going to change things a little bit because i did realize that um Sometimes I'm a bit too routiny, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so it's, for me, it's a little couple of tweaks. But I just think, um, and from her experience, she's helped lots of people overcome eating disorders, overcome weight loss, and just those balances with this really simple formula. So the book is called One Two Punch. And if you go to onetwopunch.com, you can get it there. You can get it on Amazon. I think she's got the Kindle version out there as well. Um, and she actually does consulting as well. So if you actually want to get someone to work with, as to guide you through this, um, you're working with someone who's pretty bloody wise. So I highly recommend it. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but yeah. First show of the new year, so a good time to maybe instigate some change for, for the 2021. I just think that thing of if you can make it eat, like going back to Dave Ramsey, the reason he's so successful in helping people actually change. Because that's the thing for me, is I always think as a content creator, and that's with this book that I'm writing, which by now I should have pretty much finished the first draft, nice. but. Um, is there's a lot of content creators who who write really good content, but does it actually help people change? Mm -hmm. And so when you're writing content or when you're creating content, it really has to, you know, do, do, do people actually move forward from it? And that's why I'm most proudest of my business is that we people get the result. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I want my book to be as well. Is that actually people get the book and uh, get the, the result? And what I like with what Claudia has done here is she's she's done it in a fashion where anyone can read it. Anyone goes, I understand that. It makes real sense. And actually, if I'm willing to put a bit of effort in, I can create a change with this. So again, one two punch book.com. John, your goss. 
Oh no, let's do the wrap up. Our patrons. Uh, patrons, I'm going to say Adam the King Turner. Nick Nose Rose, also known as the Admiral. Yeah, Admiral, come on. Uh, Mark the Unpredictable Woodshire. Nice, Bevan. So January 5th today. Wait a second, if you want to become a patron. Oh, you want to become a patron? Come on, let's back <clears throat> up the boys. Back up New Year 2021, John. Start. Let's give the kick up the butt to 2020. <laughs> yeah. I know we're still got a bit of a journey to go. But things are looking brighter. Um, uh, there's many things we could talk about on that front. But also um, to say... Uh, if you want to get show email to you, imtalk.com.me. Uh, that's where you become a patron as well. Coachjohnnewson.com for coaching from John. My podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Other contents, such as Google Week, cool websites, and other feedback. Um, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. January 5th, as I said, in Kai Terry Terry. Been here a couple of days. We'll have been doing some mountain biking, bit of swimming, just relaxing. Bevan, oh, you down, you down in Monica? Gone, would you ever wetsuit my size? Lying around and old guns one. are a little bit big for me. I think. Working on my I, guns, I, have, I have a pretty small wetsuit. Mine's small uh. or small tall, so I guess the answer would be no. You don't need a wetsuit. What do you? What do you? Well, I can't really do much exercise when I'm away, but I can swim. Oh goodness! It's a bit late to ask now, isn't it? Mm. If any listener in Christchurch, here's oh no, the, <laughs> mountain sna- the mountain snail will be down there. John Hancock. Yeah, but no, this is they're going to hear this after the fact. True. <laughs> we should have yeah. done this on the show we recorded a month ago. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I, might ask so that, I might ask that, Hancock. We're actually recording this on the 22nd of December. Because the only thing I can pretty much do is swim. I might see a porno. I'll just borrow a porno's wetsuit. Uh, John, you're gossip. Oh, yeah. Yep. So. Uh, we're in criteria. That's about it. Bevan, what about you? You're down in Wanaka. Okay, we're going we're gonna to do the prediction game. Okay. you got a bit of time? i got a bit of time. Okay, here we go. Prediction game. Here we go. Because, because John... Um, because he's like bracing himself, he's covering himself in cushions. Well, no, the, himself the, really, the, the, because it's my bloody back. Yep, I just throw the back. pillow fight. <laughs> Where's the last time you had a pillow fight? Do love oh. a good pillow fight, mm. you know? Get a bit out of hand, yeah, they do get a bit out, especially when you're the adult, yep. yeah, <laughs> and you literally whiplash the kids. Uh-huh. No, every year of our friends, we've started this tradition called the prediction game. Prediction game works like this, John. What is it? Right up, I'm going to ask you questions, prediction. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other thing I like doing with our kids rather than pillow fights now, I've been teaching them how to do slaps, you know, when you have the oh, that's good fun. hands sort of, your fingers together and then you've got to slap. I haven't, I've only played the knuckles one with them once or twice because that gets I did knuckles sore. so much when I was a kid I was bleeding. Yeah, that yeah, is. If you crack stubborn. somebody good on that, God, it hurts. Okay, so the prediction game goes like this. I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to predict the mm-hmm. answer. It can be yes or no, it can be, up, you know, whatever. Okay, question number one, will two New Zealand win the America's Cup? I'm going to say no. Oh, John Newsom. Why not? I've just got a bad feeling. I'm, I mean, I hope they do. I've just got a little bit of bad feeling. I, 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 I think it's you. closer than what we thought it was going to be. very close. The yeah. racing that we watched last weekend was pretty close. Mm. I'm, I'm backing us. Okay. So I'm backing us. I'm you're just, saying no, I'm saying yes. Okay. Sorry. okay. Uh, will the vaccine be successful? Well, if we if we say efficiency, what's uh, effectiveness basically, seventy uh, percent, I'd say yes. Okay. Will you be able to travel further than Australia in twenty twenty one? Further than Australia, and uh, not the islands. Not yeah, the, like you and we're talking like Asia. Like we yeah. can go anywhere. I'm going to say yes. Ooh, I like the that. optimistic. Well, yeah, I'm going to say no on that one. Mm. I think oh, you might get to like a Bali, mm. but I, I don't know if we'll be in the states this time yet. Okay. Uh, will you weigh? The same, more or less at the end of this year. And what's our what's our wiggle room there? Like, are we talking within one kg, two kg? Yeah, like like you know, like if yeah. we, you know, not oh, two, uh, two, yeah. two two kgs. Okay. I, I will. 
I pretty, I really very much don't fluctuate. And if I fluctuate, what do you weigh normally? It's seventy one plus or minus two kgs. Okay. And if I pack on a bit of pounds, like I am at the moment, I'm generally losing a bit of muscle, and so it all balances out a bit. So. <laughs> okay. Fat goes on, muscle comes off. <laughs> so you're, uh, so you're really not looking like a lean machine right now, are you? No, I'm the not. The abs aren't showing? No, they're oh, not. Newsome. So but I'll, then I'll, if you lose the weight, you might be lighter. Mm, true. So now I'm going to say I'll be about the same. I'll be the same. I've been the same for the last 10 years of my life. Um, will you be in the same house? Uh, next This time next year? Yeah. 90%. No, no, no 98% sure. Okay, so I'm saying for me. How many golds will New Zealand win at the Olympics? The Olympics are next year, aren't they? I'm not going to try to overthink this. I'm going to say three. Three? Okay. Well, That's despicable. Five. Five. I suppose I we, we do get a few, a few in rowing. We get rowing. We often get a canoe. Yeah, so it's a good point. We'll get, we'll get at least one in rowing. We, we might get, get track and field because Tom Walsh is pretty good. Yeah. Um, we, Valley's probably a bit old now. Yeah, we sometimes get close in cycling. We often get one in cycling, don't and we? Then, we you, then you get an outlier. You go, what? Sailing? Didn't even... Yeah. So maybe five, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll change mine to I've five. gone six. Okay. What will be the All Blacks percentage winning rate this year? We're not so that this good is 2021, right now. isn't it? Yeah. So how many games will they play? They'll play about 12, 15, 15, something yeah. like that. Yep. They're going to lose. If they can travel. Yeah. I'm going to say 90%. Ooh. After last year, we only won like 60. Mm. But last year was a wee, I've gone seventy eight. Okay. Yep. Um, but as, oh, wait a minute. Um, will, will Joe Biden be alive at the end? Of this year? <laughs> I think he probably he'll be, he'll be hanging in there. <laughs> we did this with friends. These are the questions we asked. Okay. Will the NZX, the stock exchange, be up or down? So oh, I haven't been writing down your answers. I should write down your answers. Wait a second. I'll put John's. Oh, I'll do it afterwards. Do it. Uh, uh, so currently it's at twelve sixty eight. 12,680. 12, It'll be up. Yeah, I'm saying New Zealand's doing really well. Mm-hmm. We've done really well in this last year. <laughs> Will there be a, Our friends are asking these questions. Yeah. Will there be a war with China? Not a not a bang-bang sort of war, but trade wars and stuff. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna so say, I'll say no. I'm going to say no, no to a bang-bang war. Um, will my operation be successful? I'm going to give you the... Uh, in between your ratio for the All Blacks winning and mine, I'll say 85% return to... Well, it's a yes or no, but I'm going to okay. say yes. I'm going to say yes. Will I still have long hair? Is there a, I hope not uh, answer that. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, you're a bit of an influencer. I don't want you influencing our youth with their long, bloody... I used to guess Tommy. Hey, Tommy, mate, look at this cool hair, mate. Yeah. yeah so the answer is I hope not. Oh, I'm going to say... No, I get the answer to this one. Yeah. I don't think I will be. I don't think I'll yeah. another year of this mop. No. You know, but I do... Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> how many times will you check this year? Yeah, you told me that one got vetoed. It's back. I said 70. Seven? Yep. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I reckon so, Joe and I... <laughs> 70 times. So that's one it's, and a half per yeah, week. Yeah. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that's the next one. Um... Will you change your career? Uh, I need to get a few non-triathlon things going, so mm. I won't be changing, but okay. I'll be trying to... Diversify. Diversify actively. Okay, then that's, that's, that's a prediction. What about you? And the last one. I, I, I'm not going to change my career, but I'm changing how I do my career. Hmm. 
So my biggest thing this year is that I won't be running my business however in it for the last 10 years. Um, and that I'll be doing things where I'm more of a manager of people. What about your instructing though? How many more years you got instructing? Oh, instruct further. Yeah. Parts of it, I would, like the high impact stuff. Mm-hmm. I won't be there forever, but the spin class, you did it you play 80. Mm-hmm. Um, I love instructing. I'm really, really lucky in my fitness career because it's, you know, it's a pretty cool thing I do. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, the aspects of it, like, will I be a superstar going around the world? I'm way too old Get this bloody guy off the stage in his wheelchair. Very much. Um, but but will I be teaching in Christchurch? Yeah, we've done it for until I die. Well, until they kick me off stage. Um, any questions you want to throw out the year predictions? <laughs> Who will win the Olympic gold in triathlon? Males and females. Uh Females, I'm going to go with Flora Duffy. That's a bit of a not no-brainer. She's got to be fit, so it is a bit of a roll of the dice. Was she? What is she injured? Yeah, she's sort of on that. She's on that knife edge all okay. the time. So I'm going to go with Flora Duffy. Same, because I don't really know. And the guys, uh, I'm just going to go. For, I'm going to go a bit out there. I'm going to go um, Bloom Bloomfeld, Blumenfeld, really Norwegian. What was that on? Uh, he's great. He's like a tip, often a third or fourth sort of guy, yeah, third, third, third through fifth. But if they if, if they got a little, he, he just needs maybe thirty seconds off the bike, and he'd be in the mix. It was so interesting to go speaking there. to. Um, I mean, if you go the odds, it's going to probably be Vincent Louis or Mario Mola. But he's is yeah. Mola getting a bit old? No, he just hasn't done anything this year. I don't know what he's been doing this year. Okay. So. Let's go back to Emma Carney's interview that we did last week, which if you haven't listened to, go back and listen to it. It's bloody brilliant. But um, her point of why why have we given up on the social miss? What do you think of that? Uh, I think she's correct, but you need to have that person who's a slow swimmer and an axe on the bike. Um, so you need to have that combo. I don't think... She thinks you can develop it, because that's what she said about her own career, wasn't it? It was that mm. in my career, I knew I wasn't going to be a swimmer. Or, well, I got there, but I wasn't, you know, there was a disadvantage, especially when I sit down and plan to win the first world championship. Mm. Um so, but, you, you know, because you're thinking here, could we turn a Kenyan into a good triathlete? Yeah. And so you'd have to have that that real right mix where it's going to be an athlete that's going to be versatile enough to ride well and then still run well off the bike, you know. So, like a classic example, could you take Lionel Sanders and, you know, and turn him into a really good uh, ITU. ITU athlete? Is he and fast I enough think on the, on the No, he's not quite fast. That's just sort yeah, of a, yeah, okay, a, an okay, example. Yeah. Somebody like him... Well, probably more like someone like Alex Yee, who is the far, yep. on paper the fastest runner. You haven't got him as a favourite on the for the Olympics, but he's one of the favourites. Could you turn him into a world beater? And yeah, I think it'd be a bit of a scattergun approach. You'd need to, you know, you, you took 10 athletes, you could probably could turn a couple of them into it, but they'd have to have that right mix. A bit like Emma Carney, she was naturally a very, very good cyclist uh, and she was a strong runner as well as Alex Yee's more of a real natural runner. So I, I definitely get the point. It's bloody impressive what she did with that swimming belt, wasn't it? Because, you know, like to, to even get to the point where you're competitive, like, you know, she obviously wasn't front of the packer, but yeah. within 18 months, mm. no swimming background. Mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to take anything away from her at all yeah. the standard of swimming back then was significantly lower okay. than what it is now on the guys and the females um, but, but I think she would have adapted in the current climate and she would have still done it but the standard back then was a lot lower if Alex Yee turned out to be um, a Brownlee mm. and he comes through next year and wins the Olympics mm. 
He potentially could win three Olympics. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I know. I get yeah. it. He's at the beginning of his career, and, and yep. it, Brownlee's something special. He's not, but, but that one year delay, mm. if there is a next superstar that's going to mm. dominate sport for the next period of time, they could actually be the person who gets three Olympic golds. And, and Alistair it, Brownlee was that one who missed out by one year. Yeah, like if it, if it had been another year, mm. he would have won three Olympic golds, really, eh? Only COVID had been around, oh. and, and buddy, whatever it was, the first year he yeah. went to Beijing, that was 2008, wasn't it? Yeah. 12 years too late. 12 years too late. Okay, John, well, that, that went well to kill an extra 20 minutes here. I think it's what we needed. Great. Let's wrap it up. Iron Talk. Oh, so, so you go. Iron Rust. Iron Men Don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.